This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Today's scripture reading will be taken from Luke chapter 9, verses 37 to 62. If you have Bibles, you can take them out now. If not, you can refer to the screen above. Luke chapter 9, verses 37. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so that they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. An argument started among the disciples, as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he is not one of us. Do not stop him. Jesus said, For whoever is against you is for you. As the time approaches for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead, who went into a Samaritan village to to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him, because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, Do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his hand. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the word of God. I'll now pass the time over to Pastor Andrew. Morning to everyone. It's always a joy and privilege to gather with God's people and to open up God's Word. I hope you are excited to open up God's Word because God's Word never fails. Now, um, if you have your Bible today, it would be great for you to flip to Luke chapter 9. If you have your Luke journal for the youths, 
It'd be great if you flip with me because there'll be no passages on the screen, but I'll be looking at a passage throughout this time. So it'd be great if you have your Bible or use your handphone if you um, prefer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you who loved us and called us to walk by faith, pray God that as we gather this morning that you will help us, help us to know you, help us to hear from your word, and we pray that your Holy Spirit will help us and lead us, that we may be able to be strengthened by you to follow Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, uh, in 1994, basically half of us are not born yet, but in 1994 there was this great movie that went on headlines, it's called Forrest Gump, it's won six Academy Awards, and it's about this very interesting man. And he, on this occasion in the story, he decided to go for a run. His name is called Forrest Gump, people call him Run Forrest Run. So this is what happened one day when he decided to go for a run. Forrest Gump said, That day, for no particular reason, I decided to go for a little run. And so I ran to the end of the road, and when I got there, I thought, well, maybe I will run to the end of the town. And when I got there, I thought, maybe I'll just run across Greenbow County. And I figured, since I run this far, maybe I'll just run across the great state of Alabama. And that's what I did. I ran clear across Alabama. For no particular reason, I just kept on going. I ran clear to the ocean, and when I got there, I figured since I'd gone this far, I might as well turn around, just keep on going. When I got to the another ocean, I figured since I've gone this far, I might as well just turn back, keep right on going. Now, along the... Should I use this? Now along the way, when Forrest Gump was running, more and more people started to follow him. They didn't know why they were following him. They liked this man and started running with him. And reporters start coming to follow uh, Forrest. You can see that little picture. They couldn't stop him and interview him, so they started running so that they can interview Forrest. Then one day Forrest Gump said, I run for three years, one month, 14 days, and 16 hours. At the end, he suddenly stopped. He just stopped. After running for three years nonstop, he just stopped and he said, I'm pretty tired. I think I'm going home now. Can you imagine those who follow him, they were following him dispersed. Um, they had to disperse because forests stopped running. You know, the crowds, they were drawn to forests. They had no idea why they followed him. And so at the end of the road, everything just ended when Forrest ended. Now, if you had been someone there, would you have followed Forrest Gump on his journey? But why don't we ask ourselves this question? Do we sometimes behave like that amongst the crowd and amongst the fats? The latest trends and fats comes along, we'll just run with it, and then when it disappears, we stop as well. Well, this morning we actually come to a hinge passage of the gospel according to Luke, where the disciples were following Jesus. The question is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Who do they think Jesus is? Where is Jesus going and 
do they know what it means to follow Him? Now, like Forrest Gump, there's a long run that we are going to run today, and a large ground that we're going to cover. In fact, we need to cover the context before we jump into today's passage. So I hope you have your Bible and keep it open. These are the few things that happened just before today's passage. The first was this, that Peter made a declaration in an earlier passage to say that Jesus is God's Messiah. It was this turning point where the disciples know who Jesus is. And with that declaration, the book of Luke that's in your hand start to move and shift its focus from who is Jesus to what kind of Messiah Jesus is. And so the second thing that happened right after the declaration was Jesus' prediction that he must suffer, he must die, he will be raised on the third day. So that fitted neatly with last week's Good Friday and Easter series. Now, the third thing that happened before today's passage is the transfiguration on the mountain where Moses and Elijah, they both appeared on the mountain. Moses signified law, Elijah signifies the prophets, and together they pointed to Jesus and revealed to the eyewitnesses, three apostles, that Jesus will bring a glorious fulfillment of all the scripture has when he arrives in Jerusalem. And when these three events are over, if you have your Bible, look at verse 35. They heard a voice coming from heaven, which is from God. He says this, This is my son whom I have chosen. But they say, listen to him. Now the words of Jesus, the confirmation of Moses and Elijah, and the voice of God points to what Jesus the Messiah would do And he says, so listen to him. So with that context, now Jesus and his disciples in today's passage start to descend from their glorious mountain of transfiguration down to the plains of darkness. So if you have your Bible, look at Luke chapter 9, verse 37. Now just imagine with me for a moment, um, now COVID is... um, happening but we have moved on and people are traveling overseas imagine your whole family you got a free ticket okay to to mount fuji so you went to mount fuji enjoy your holiday it's been the longest time you had fresh air and you even got a free ticket back from uh taking sq back and they welcome you home and whether you're teenagers or adults you know what you always do when the plane arrives you can touch your phone and you start to you kind of flip it and then you see these floods of messages coming in to say, guys, your house is on fire. Everything is gone. You better rush back. In that split second, the clouds of your mouth would just disperse and you can think the black smoke coming and you just want to rush home. Now, that's exactly how verse 37 sounds like. Look at it. The next day, when Jesus, Peter, John, James, they had barely touched down from that bright, glorious mountain of transfiguration, A large crowd met Jesus. Now, the glow of seeing Moses and Elijah with Jesus had barely left their mind, and immediately they were confronted with this dark, miserable presence of demonic possession. Now, the author of Luke is Dr. Luke, but he did not attribute this occurrence to epilepsy or some medical condition. He goes right into this as a spiritual disarray. 
spiritual trouble, the evil forces refusing to leave the only child of a father. Now evil here is determined to destroy him and the father was crying out in exasperation. Now meanwhile, can you imagine, three were up there, nine were down there, perhaps other disciples. These disciples, they had just, a few, chap- a few verses back in chapter 9, verse 1, they had been casting out demons, healing the sick, and been preaching the gospel. But right here, all of them, they can't deal with a kid who has demon in him. As the man cried out to Jesus, just look at the look of hopelessness, distress, the messy situation. He said to the crowd, this words, verse 41. Look at, look at verse 41 with me. You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Can you imagine that stark contrast, the glorious um, transfiguration on the mountain, and here you have this total mess, the dark, unbelieving, and perverse nature of the generation before Jesus. Now, they have seen Jesus. People have ate with Jesus. They have heard him. But here, this generation was not ready to turn and truly believe in Jesus. Evil seems to have control over this whole sphere. In fact, how quickly the disciples have fallen. Just a few verses back, or days back, they were like mini Jesus going around towns after towns, casting out demons, healing the sick, proclaiming the gospel, and people look at them like they were from heaven. But now, how far they have fallen. Perhaps this is what happened. Instead of trusting Jesus now, they have trusted in their experience of what they have done in the towns that have happened. Now this experience and this sudden shift is scary and frightening for disciples. But can I say this, that you and I, we should actually be worried. Because it is something that frightens us as well. Because how quickly a follower can fall from living by faith to just trusting in our experience or our religious um, reserves. Because here's the thing. As a Christian, we never live on religious reserves. We are breathing day by day, moment by moment, by trusting in Jesus, by faith and reliance on Him. And here's the problem, because Jesus just said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Now the term perverse generation is actually a reference back to your Old Testament in Deuteronomy 32. Because in the days of Moses, when the people, um, they, for the lack of faith, they start to turn away from God. They start to be twisted and bent and perverse. That's what Deuteronomy 32 says. Their unbelief soon led to their crookedness. So here's the struggle. Can I suggest to us that people who only follow with their eyes are always just one miracle away from rejecting Jesus. Let me say that again. People who follow Jesus with their eyes are always just one miracle away from turning away from Him. Perhaps one prayer that is not being answered. One obstacle that Jesus does not remove because they do not put their faith in Him. Yet how compassionate Jesus is here. He turned, He rebuilt the Spirit, 
the boy was quickly set free and from, their, from his bondage and was given back to the dead. Now, it, just imagine you're there with the disciples, with Jesus, with the crowd. This is what happens, verse 43. When the crowd saw this, they were all amazed at the greatness of God. And so they were praising God because they have tasted what the three disciples had in the mouth. Uh, mountain of transfiguration. They saw the majesty of God and the, the power of Christ. And they were praising. There was this celebration going around. If you're there, you're probably celebrating with them. Everyone was amazed and praising and smiling except one man. You know who is that one man that did not smile? Look at it with me. Verses 43, 44. There was one man who did not smile. While the people were marveling at Jesus, Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. In that celebration, this is the shocker. Jesus saying, This marveling of Jesus by man will soon turn into the murdering of Jesus by men. For merely seeing miracles will not be enough to turn the hearts of humans back to God. They and we, we need to hear Jesus and His words. In the midst of the noisy human celebration, Jesus said to His disciples, Listen up. Hear me carefully. Now don't get distracted by the mere hallelujahs in the crowd praising God. If no one is hearing Jesus. The heavenly voice on the mountain said the same thing. Listen to my son. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus is the only way the disciples would ever be able to stand when marveling of Jesus will soon turn into the murdering of Jesus. Those who do not listen, they will not be able to stand. The same goes for us. Now some in our own generation, perhaps you and I, perhaps you have said this and I have said this. In our generation, we may have said this. If only I was there and I saw Jesus in person. If only I saw Him do a miracle. If only He, he does one blessing for me. If only that just one moment I was there in the first century, I would have believed in Jesus. I wonder if you have said that or you have heard someone say that. can't see Jesus, but if I was there, give me a chance, I would have believed. Jesus says, no. One generation in my time, they did not. They did not. People do not need yet another miracle to build, to build up their faith. What they need is to listen carefully to the Messiah. And he said in verse 44, He would suffer in the hands of men and die. Now if you are looking at the verse with me, you will see Jesus calling himself the Son of Man. Son of Man is taken from Daniel 7. And as a first reader, after Jesus has died and resurrected, they will understand the Son of Man is referring to the one that would receive the glory and honor and God will give this Son of Man the throne and His own glory. But Jesus says, listen up. He will first have to die and suffer many things. If that's the path of Jesus, the Messiah of God, He must enter this valley of the shadow of death before He rises to be a great and eternal King. The disciples need to know this. Because they are following Him. But as we read on, the disciples did not understand, or they did not want to understand what Jesus meant. They're like students. Have you, have you been students? Some of us still are. 
You're in school, you listen to a teacher, you kind of daydream a little bit, and then the lesson has gone on, and you just didn't want the teacher to repeat himself or herself to prove that you didn't understand anything. So they just kept quiet. And this is what the disciples did. They were afraid to ask Jesus what he meant. They didn't want to go to the somber valley. They preferred their eyes to be the one that lead them to know where they want their hearts, or their hearts want them to go. And so what's the conclusion of this? Is that because they did not listen and they did not understand, even as Jesus talked about the humility of him suffering and dying, you know what they were doing? They were, just, they were looking at their CVs or their certificate and see who has got greater points. Can you imagine the disciples were there, they were saying, hey, who, who should have a, have a better place in the kingdom of God? He says, well, I was there before everyone else. And say, well, you were lying there and I was working hard. Somebody else say, hey, who went out the mountain, man? So they were there arguing who gets a bigger pie of God's inheritance. And then Jesus, look at them, only a God who is so patient would do this. Jesus looked at the disciples arguing. He went to the Sunday school class, picked up the youngest kid that was ignored, put it next to him, and he said this in verse 48. Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For this, it is the one who is least among you, all who is great. This is what it means. Jesus is saying that the glorious Messiah, if you want to accept the glorious Messiah, you accept the little one that people don't care, but he cares. In fact, he's saying that if we think too highly of ourselves to care for those that matters to him, we think too highly of ourselves indeed. Now to be sure, in that time, children are precious. Every, every parent, the, the children are precious. You are precious to your children. But what is happening in that time is that the, the, the children at the time, they were helpless and economically and positionally, they uh, have no importance. It is to this that Jesus spoke about the reversal of the great kingdom, that the kingdom, the greatness does not come from being served but to serve. Greatness is not found in being important to others, but recognizing that everyone is important to Christ. So 48, if you look at 48 in your Bible, the fact is this, that Jesus didn't say, whoever welcomes me welcomes God. That's not what he said. He said, rather, the one who sent me. It's actually revealing the ministry of the Messiah, that he was sent by the Father to bear the pain and death for the sake of others. And so this will set out the ministry of the disciples of Jesus to reach out to the spiritually helpless, the visually unimportant. And to wrap this up, Luke just add one final example in 49 to 50. Now this is what happens. While the disciples fail to cast out demons, suddenly they noticed this one man going around in Jesus' name casting out demons. They didn't even know his name. They didn't even check it out on him. They just wanted to stop him. And this is what happens. Now, this is a real strike on the ego of the elites, isn't it? This man, not commissioned, not known as the 12 or the 72, whatever. He was casting out demons. And they wanted to stop him. But Jesus replied, Do not stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. For even this man who is casting out demons, he can't be doing by liturgy, by some magic formulas or some experience. The disciples have tried that method. It doesn't work. 
The only way that it works is faith in Jesus. And this man has got it. So dear friends, as you have looked at this big chunk, majority of today's passage from 37 to 50, calls us to listen carefully to Jesus, to know that He's the Messiah who comes to suffer and die for us. I wonder if you and I listen carefully enough. Now, it's very easy to pick and choose what we want to see and think about Jesus. You know, Jesus as the genie that grants that few prayers that you have, when you pray and when I pray, Jesus is a symbol of love and tolerance, not judgment. Jesus is the one who gives us the best life today. I wonder if we listen to Jesus because it is so easy to start humble as a Christian and become proud as a follower, to feel special when Jesus saves us and act special later on, to be included in His kingdom and at some point we start to exclude others in the kingdom. Listen carefully, Jesus said, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. I think here's the thing for Jesus to his disciples. Until we recognize who the Messiah is and what he has come to do, we wouldn't know how we should follow him. With that, Luke enters into a second movement in verse 51. Now, if you have Luke with you, your journal, can I ask you to just put a mark there for the youth, that this is the turning point, the hinge point for the rest, the next phrase of Luke. Luke has three portions. Up to, 50, up to 50 was the first portion about Jesus, and now 51 to the next 10 chapters is about Jesus heading towards Jerusalem. And this is how it begins with 51. It says this, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, strange words, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now, 51 is the door that Jesus will have to walk through. And now Jesus finally opens up the door and the disciples look at the entrance and they only see Jerusalem. Jesus' time is to be taken up to heaven. is actually saying to us that He is going to be delivered into the hands of men. He just said that He's going to suffer His death, His resurrection, and His ascension. So here, the travel narrative of Jesus begins in verse 51 for the next 10 chapters. Now, if you use the ESV Bible, the journalist and NIV, if you use the ESV Bible, it actually keeps the Greek phrase there closer and it's really helpful because in your ESV, you'll say that Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem and this phrase is actually, in a sense, taken from Isaiah 50 verse 7. Isaiah 50 is the third servant song of the Messiah. And this is the passage you read just now with uh, Ben. In verse 7, it says, The Lord's servant set his face like a flint towards danger. Everything's against him. He knows his vindicator is near and he goes forward. No one will overcome him. And right after he set his face like a flint, the servant says also in Isaiah 50 verse 10, To those who are around him, he says this, Who among you fears the Lord? and obeys the voice of his servant. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. So we have this path of the Messiah heading towards Jerusalem, and those who want to follow him needs to know how to follow. So in the next 10 chapters, we'll look at it over the few weeks. Luke will keep alluding to Jesus' journey to Jerusalem until he finally arrives in Luke 19.
But here in 51, we are meant to catch this spiritual greed and resolution of Jesus that he will head to Jerusalem. And the followers need to recognize what it means to follow him. Now, as we read on verse 52, here's an interesting one. Look at it with me. As Jesus faced Jerusalem, he wants to head, he sent messengers on ahead and he went to a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there, the Samaritans did not welcome him because he was heading to Jerusalem. Now, here's the question for us. Jesus on the way to Jerusalem, why go to this Samaritan village and why send messengers? Now, just imagine with me, Jesus in the north, to go down south to Jerusalem, the most direct place is to go through a Samaritan village. So that's why he's going there. But why send messengers? Now, if you're still with me, you can imagine Jesus has been getting popular. You can imagine hundreds of people following him. Can you imagine a hundred over a few hundred Jews walking towards a Samaritan village? What do you expect the Samaritans to do? Take out their pots, take out their knives. What do they do? So Jesus sent the messengers ahead. But in response, they said, we do not want you. Now, why this fast between the Jews and Samaritans? Well, historically, they are bitter enemies. They have a deep-seated hatred between them. The Jews considered the Samaritans worse than Gentiles because they would call them, you half-breeds. Can you imagine someone calling you half-breeds? Because the Samaritans, they had Jewish blood, but they intermarried after the Assyrian War centuries ago. Now, here's something that um, happened. They have their own temple. They don't go to Jerusalem. And this is something that Ken Hughes write on this account. I thought it was interesting. Let me read to you. Imagine the Jews and the Gentiles. So this is what he says. The Jews, they respond publicly by cursing Samaritans in the synagogue, praying daily that they might not enter eternal life. That's what the Jews do. During the New Testament time, some Samaritans, they managed to sneak into the Jerusalem temple where they strew some human bones. They go to the temple, they throw human bones into the temple of the Jews. So this made both the Jews and the Samaritans regret that life is so short. There is so much to hate and so little time. That's the experience between the Jews and the Samaritans. No wonder the Samaritans don't welcome Jesus as he heads to Jerusalem. What do you do as your disciples? Look at 54. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Now, whether they were indignant for Jesus as the Messiah or their Jewish blood started to brew, whatever they say is not a small thing. What they are doing, they remember Elijah's time where Elijah called fire from heaven and the fire from heaven consumed a soldier and 50 of his men and he repeated twice. Or perhaps they remember Sodom and Gomorrah when the sulfur rains from heaven and the enemies of God were totally destroyed. So what these two brothers are asking is not a small thing. They're asking, let us kill them and get rid of them. But Jesus rebuked them because he would have none of it. You know why? Because the Samaritans, they, they refused. They were not really focusing on Jesus, but of the Jews heading to Jerusalem. And for Jesus, his journey now to Jerusalem was not for judgment, but for death. 
for His mercy to be showered on us. And so instead of going down straight, He turns to other village and heads down. And so we have 10 chapters to go on this journey. But perhaps the disciples will remember once again when Jesus died and resurrected. In Luke 6, Jesus says, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And so we come to this last section of today's passage. So as the travel narrative begins, people following him, this one man came. He came up to Jesus. He was enthusiastic. No, he wants to follow Jesus. And he said this, I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. Can you imagine if there were crowd, the rest would say, Amen, hallelujah, we will do the same. Why? Because Jesus has been doing miracles and people were excited. But the first man's enthusiasm will be short-lived. Really, will you really follow Jesus? Well, he was making a promise without really counting the cost. He was making a promise without counting the cost. Jesus replied him, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. This is what he's saying. When Jesus comes from heaven to earth, it costs him everything. The heavenly glorious palace that he has, he gave it up to come here. And if you want to follow Jesus, don't expect comfort. That's not what we're going to sign up for if you want to follow Jesus. That's not part of the deal. Some people will literally lose their homes, some their families, still others will face rejection. No, if it's not suffering, in Singapore, there's a call to love those who may not respond to you positively. We may have to give up jobs, promotion, leave, and time just to get uncomfortable to tell people about Jesus. You may have to give until it actually hurts. You may serve and no one thank you. But will you follow? No, I think many of you there are not many parents here, but I think, you know, one of the best gifts that God gives to parents is the gift of changing diapers. You know how it works? The smell comes, you unpack the heat of it, you clean the butt, you clear everything, there's no thanks, there's just screaming, crying. You clean everything, you throw everything, you, you put a nice diaper on, no thanks, and then you heard a sound. And then you repeat. And you will not get a thanks. For it because that's what parents sign up for and those who follow Jesus they need to know what they sign up for now we move on as the crowd follows Jesus then look at another man he says you follow me what did the man says look at the pear shakes with me he says this first let let me first go and bury my father now many commentators would say on this passage the man's father is not dead otherwise he'll be at the funeral and not here right so this man might well be saying, oh, Jesus, let me wait until my dad is dead. In fact, let me just retire first. I will come and follow you, but wait. Now the question is, it doesn't matter whether the man's father was dead or not. The answer of Jesus would hold the same for that reply. Because there is no time to wait. What this man promised Jesus is to follow without commitment, without urgency. Wait, Jesus, let me go. Let me first go. In fact, it's said twice. Look at it, 59, 61. Let me first go. But there's no time. 
to wait for Jesus. He's going straight to Jerusalem. This entourage of celebrative crowd, they're not going to be there for a long time. They're going to disperse. Are you going to follow? The truth is going to be true and will stand, but the flesh is not going to be there all the time. Who knows whether you will bury your father or your father will bury you. There's no time. If you want to follow and preach the gospel, the time is now. Jesus says, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So here's the, here's the implication for all who wants to follow Jesus. If you are thinking about this, it says the gospel work is urgent. Life is short. Whether it's ours or the person who is listening to it, the truth stands forever. The flesh does not. There's much to be proclaimed. Now, Jesus never made an excuse when he came towards Jerusalem. He doesn't expect his disciples to as well. Now, finally, as we come to the last man, look at the last part with me as we round up. Finally, another man comes forward. He says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, can I say to you, if you haven't noticed, this man is a very, very sharp man. He knows his scripture and he quotes scriptures. Let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. This man is making a request that seems reasonable. Where did it come from? Let me tell you, this is where it comes from. It's taken from 1 Kings 19, verse 20. Uh, chapter 19, verse 19 to 20. This is what happened. Elijah, do you know the great prophet Elijah? Elijah was choosing the person to take over him. He found Elisha who was plowing with 12 oxen in his field. He was on the 12 oxen. And he says to Elisha, you follow me. He walks away. Elijah ran after Elijah and says, wait, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Elijah looked back at Elisha and said, son, what have I done to you? Go back. Go and say your goodbyes. Now the man who speaks to Jesus, he knows his stuff. But how did Jesus reply? Surprising because this is what Jesus says. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Jesus says, if you turn back, you might as well don't come. That's such a great contrast if you imagine this man thinking, hey, Elijah, wait up. Let me say goodbye. I'll follow you. Jesus says, if you turn, forget it. What is Jesus saying in this last passage? I suggest to us two things. The first is cultural, the second is biblical. The first is cultural is this. In Jesus' time, when they say, let me say goodbye to my family or my parents, this is what you do. You go back, you say goodbye, and you ask your blessings from your father or the elders. If they say no, you wait up. You say, Jesus, my, my dad says, no, I don't get blessings. But let me tell you what's the biblical thing. What a man has done was to quote Elisha. But Jesus tells us what's the implication because what actually happens after the account when Elijah says to Elisha, what have I done to you, son? Go back, say goodbye. You know what Elisha did? He went back, he saw his oxen, he slaughtered all his oxen, he's plowing wood, wooden stuff, he used them as burning fuel, he burned up and cooked all his oxen, he fed his family and says, I'm not coming back. I'm done. There's nothing left for me here. 
This is what Jesus says. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back his feet for service in the kingdom of God. Now as I read this whole passage, this is actually one of the toughest warnings. I feel personally, I don't know about you, it's one of the toughest warnings for all who desires to follow Jesus. Now those who yearn after they have left behind everything and yearn for things behind, when the going gets tough, those who wonder how would life have been if I'm a bit more ambitious rather than being a Christian. Like a farmer who plows with his head looking back. Or imagine your dad if he's driving or the cab driver driving, but his eye is always on the rear mirror. It's not suitable. It's not suitable. It's like this bride getting married, standing at the altar, the bridegroom is there, but her head is always looking back, wondering if her ex-boyfriend is here. Jesus says, if you have a divided heart, it's going to be hard to follow. Or that God may help that bride to look into the face of her bridegroom and see and wonder how this bridegroom was willing to love her when she is unfaithful, who will love her to the extent of dying for her and bore her shame, who will love her, disregarding her past, and who will love her knowing that she's going to fail in this marriage. Oh, that God will help the bride of Christ look at the bridegroom and his love for her. The disciples haven't been able to do it very well. The crowd who wants to follow will not do very well. And if we by ourselves, I wonder how we'll fare. So all the more as we listen to this, that we will turn and cry out to God to help us, that we may count the cost, we may see the urgency and that He will help us to have the undivided heart. For isn't it true? So often we will turn away from the one that we love easily many times a day. But may the Lord help us. And so I want to close this time as Jesus gave this resolution that we will ask the Lord to help us, that we will follow Him by His Spirit. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, help us to see Jesus who has set his face to Jerusalem because he loves us and wants to save us. Help us to hear his voice and his words. Let us not depend on just miracles or another answered prayer to hold on to our faith, but that we will hold on to what he has done and that his words for us. Help us not to be naive and to be loose with our words when we say we follow but to know that this path is not easy. Help us not to lose priority, but recognize the urgency of following Jesus. Help us not to have divided hearts, but to draw us to Him with this undivided love and loyalty because our eyes can see the love of Christ. Oh Father, by the mercy and grace of Christ, help us to hold on to Jesus and never let go, even as He never lets go of us. In Jesus' name we pray for your glory. Amen. We'll now have a time of uh, discussion. So there are two guiding questions that will be flashed up on the screen. So please discuss within your rows and we'll come back in about five minutes. Okay, the two questions are, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus? And what do you know more about Jesus today? So we'll gather again after five minutes.
Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.org.